This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. Here's a snapshot of my 8 life. This week I was downtown running errands and I grabbed a coffee and immediately started looking around for somewhere to sit that felt right. And by felt right, I mean that it had to feel right in my body. If I had sat in the wrong spot with the wrong vibe, I'm 100% sure my coffee wouldn't have tasted nearly as good. I ended up finding this old church courtyard. It was covered in old beat up picnic tables etched with names and initials. But the thing that really caught my eye was this huge wall of graffiti. It was a riot of color, of birds and green things, and I settled right in. I knew this was my spot, and my coffee tasted great. For the record, I sat at the very back of the courtyard. I think that might be a thing a lot of us do, right? We sit at the back of every room so that we can keep an eye on everyone who's coming and going. I don't think we do this consciously, but I think we find ourselves there an awful lot. And I think it's because it makes us feel safe. Who else is going to watch the door? Who else is going to be watchfully waiting, poised, and ready for a fight? <laughs> Go for it. Hello. Hi, everyone. I'm Joe. I'm Erin. So this is uh, episode one. We are starting our podcast adventure, and we love that you guys are here for that. You and I, between the two of us, we must listen to about a dozen Enneagram podcasts. On a regular basis. Right. Yeah. I have learned with a little digging that half of them at least have eights as hosts. Oh, yeah. So it seems to be... Well, we're good at running the show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's on brand, so to speak, for eights to uh, be the hosts and leaders of things. But what's been missing? Why do we think there's a gap that needs filling? In all those podcasts, why do we feel like we needed to start this one? Honestly, I feel like we skip over a lot of eight stuff. I think the eights are great at hosting. We're not great at being vulnerable. Right. So what I've found is a lot of them are showcasing other people. And we're and we're good at that, right? We like to bring other people along and show off their strength and whatnot. But a lot of them stop. They get right to the line and then they stop when it comes time to dig deep into their real heart. Why do you think that we can offer things that other eight podcasts can't? I think we're in a place to be willing to be vulnerable. We've taken long journeys to get here. (laughs) And you'll hear more of our stories in the coming weeks. Between us, we have a lot of heart in us. We lean more into the heart space than the head, which is going to give you a sense that we're maybe softer eights than a lot of eights out there. But don't be fooled. Uh, The core (laughs) is very much there. And you'll see that there are certain things that we just struggle to tolerate and handle. We just need to give a caveat right at the beginning. We are jumping in as if you already have a basic understanding of the Enneagram. So we're going to be talking about things like uh, instinct stacking and tri-type and wings, line movement, and all of this stuff probably sounds (laughs) absolutely like gibberish to a lot of you. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a list of books and podcasts that we think will really help you beginners go back and figure out your type. If you don't know what type you are or what number you are, then you really should go back and listen to the other podcasts that we're going to put in the show notes. Right. 
And the reason why we think that there's a place for every listener here, no matter what type you are, is because if you aren't yourself an eight, you live with an eight. You either love them or hate them or <laughs> you either way, you for sure have thoughts about them. <laughs> this we know. And so you can learn more by listening. And we really hope there are a whole bunch of you who want to know more about what's going on inside of our our heads and hearts. I, I think if you have a person in your life that is aggressive and it likes to take charge and assertive and as a doer, you probably are dealing with an eight and you probably do have some preconceived notions about why they're doing what they're doing. I think we can give a lot of insight into the heart of what's going on. If any of you are struggling to put into words some of the things that you are feeling on the inside, we'd love to hear from you. And I've done a lot of thinking and writing about it. Um, and hopefully that will help some of you. And we hope this podcast will give you new words to be able to do that for yourself. One of the things that you will hear an awful lot from eights is that we're really misunderstood. We wanted to talk through a few of the misunderstandings that we have dealt with and talk through why we disagree with some of the ways that we have been categorized. It's just going to be a, a very cursory list. We're going to unpack all of that as the season progresses, but we just wanted to name a few. So Erin, what's one of the ways that uh, you have felt misunderstood as an eight? I think one of the things I really dislike is the label for the eights that we often get, which is called the challenger. I don't resonate with that at all. I understand why we're called the challenger. I understand on the if I was standing outside looking in why people think we're challenging things. I just think we're misunderstood in terms of why we're challenging things. And maybe we're not even challenging things. I don't see it as a challenge when I'm going into something to dispute or argue. It's that I see a different end. I don't think I've ever heard an eight agree that challenger is a good fit for them, to be honest. I heard a wonderful podcast and the man who was speaking mentioned that he had enough eights in his life that he also felt like that label was misrepresenting them. And so he did a bit of digging and he went to a thesaurus and he took the word challenger and he went through a list of synonyms until he found a word that had a similar flavor, but fit us better. And I have to agree with him. And the word that he chose was advance. And so another term for us, I think, should be advancers, which isn't a mm -hmm. real word. But I have to agree because what that represents is our push. And it is a push. It would be felt as a push from almost every type, including eight on eight. We feel like we're pushing on each other. But what we're doing is we are encouraging growth. When you work out the next day, the next week, let's be honest, is really painful after. And the reason is because your muscles that had been unused get ripped and torn and from the tear comes growth. This is why I think eights are experienced painfully by some people because what we are trying to do, and it really is compulsive. It, it's- Oh, I don't think we have any option. No. It's just, we move. Yep. So we see people's stuckness. It's a word that we'll use a lot. We'll see them unmoved or unmoving, and we can see who they could and should be. And that includes in ourself. We see our own stuckness, and we see who we could and should be. And so we push for growth. And those of us who are a little bit more mature do it actually very gently. Mm -hmm. So we're agree. right, we're walking alongside people and we're calling out of them their best things and their strengths. And we are encouraging them to take action and do something so that they grow. And so they advance. 
they, they, they don't stay they, stuck. That, that's our heart. But I think when they don't want to advance, we're challenging them. That's right. Right? And therein lies yeah. the difference. So and then they their, feel like they're disappointing us yes. and because we have these expectations on them. And, and I, don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, the expectation piece is more what we can see for them. We see the big picture. We see who they're supposed to be. And we're pushing them to be that version of themselves. Right. They see someone pushing against their stagnant stagnancy. Is that a word? It works. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, we're going to make up a lot of words. <laughs> I like making yeah, up words. that's fine. But no, they're stagnant. And I think that's where... The people who love us the most are not the people who are giving us the word challengers. No. It's the people who feel threatened by us. Yeah. Or who are really comfortable staying still. And yeah. a lot of the world is, right? Yes, yes And they so, are. to be honest, we our work is to leave them be. Because the truth is, all we can really do is invite them into yeah. change. And then it's really not our job. That's when we can absolutely inherit the label of bully or bull in a china shop is if we do that thing where we're inviting change in someone and they don't want it and we insist, that's a problem. Because someone that doesn't want to grow or change. I think change, that's maturity too. And I think I was that bull in a yeah. china shop for so long because mm-hmm. when we can see the end goal, why wouldn't you want to be there? Right. Why wouldn't you want to grow? Right. And some people are okay not going there. And a, we have to be okay with them being okay there. I have a question for you. Do you see a difference in the younger you versus the older you in terms of that push? So when I was in my 20s, I felt like it was my job to unstick people. Absolutely. And I, I looked for them, or rather, I didn't look for them. I saw them and I essentially, I approached them and offered my services without <laughs> actually asking. And endeavored to unstick them even though they hadn't asked me to and the amount of harm that caused the amount of hurt it caused whereas now and I remember my mom telling me this wait for them to come to you that is my new way I in the last year alone have been honored by being approached by four different women who knew they were stuck and they see me as someone Mm -hmm. who can help unstick them I didn't have to advertise myself that way I just am I just was they found me and they said, help. That's when I, my services were valued. And I wasn't st- seen as a challenger. I was seen as a safe place to come. To, to grow. To grow. I think people do come when they're ready to grow. Yeah. But I also think that we're much more mature than we were 10 years ago. Yes. I think we're in different places. We've done a lot of work. We've, we've learned more about ourselves and, and the motivations behind what we do. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from, from studying the Enneagram in the beginning was Suzanne Stubiel's quote on, it's not all yours to do. Mm-hmm. What's mine to exactly. do? Exactly. And her going on about eights one time saying, you know, you don't have to do everything. And I remember being angry at that podcast and thinking, what are you talking about? If we don't do it, no one else will. And it's only since I've been sitting with the what's mine to do every day that I've started to step back. And like you said, the circumstances come and and God opens doors for us in different ways that he wants us to utilize us. And now we're sitting and listening instead Mm -hmm. of moving. (laughs) You know, you know, the, uh, the movie, the Kevin Costner movie, the baseball movie. Oh, Field of Dreams. Yes. So Field of Dreams, where they say, if you build it, they will come. (laughs) So I think there is something true about that, where as you and I work to get healthy, it's like we're a beacon to people Mm -hmm. and the people who need and want the growth find us. They I think find we're us. a little less scary. Yeah, I think so too. As we soften yeah. up, right? I think so. Yeah. So that's an encouragement to all you eights. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> and Enneagram will help you build it. So keep listening. And I'm not gonna and it's not gonna be an easy process. Yeah. 
One of the other things I think we're often labeled that is, as is bossy. Honestly, when I am being quote bossy, I am focused on the goal in front of us. And whatever it is I'm telling someone to do is because I see the end game. I don't get stuck in my head. So I see where I'm at, I see where I want to be, and then I just jump in and how to get there really fast and quick and the most probably efficient way to get there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes not the most thought through way, and that's where we need our head type sometimes, <laughs> but we will get there quickly and efficiently. I think we're misunderstood a lot in that. One of the things that gives me the greatest joy is being the boss of a project or right now I'm, I'm co-chairing the council at my children's school. And it's not that I love being in charge. It's that I love being able to make, maybe I do love being in charge, but I love being able to follow through on the things that I want to follow through on. I want to be able to make the moves quickly. I want to go from A to B and get there with my plan and do it fast. But I also want to bring everybody with me. We have an amazing school and I have amazing parents on our council and they all play a role just as big as mine and a lot of them bigger than mine. All I do is kind of bring the picture together. A lot of them do most of the legwork. They utilize their gifts and that's what brings me joy. What you're getting a taste of is Aaron's social first. <laughs> so we're going to talk about instinct stackings, and Aaron is a social eight. I'm a sexual eight, and that's really going to start to come through as we talk because she's talking about a bunch of moving parts and leading whole teams. That couldn't be further from my <laughs> strength. I just recently extricated myself from a role as a director because I was so uncomfortable with that role. So my issues often crop up one-on-one -on -one with people. I just wanted to talk about another misunderstanding, which is that mm -hmm. I think people yeah, I think often so. think we're insensitive. And while that can be true, the reality is, of course, that we are valuing and pushing for certain things that other people don't value. And like Aaron said, we do it in a way that's economical. It's very much, um, we can see the fastest way to get there. And so if people need more time and we're not giving them the time, it, it would feel really difficult. Recently, I was told by a friend that I was better off in small doses. <laughs> and it definitely stung but I immediately, immediately absorbed it as truth and something I need to, needed to think about. I think this particular friend really, really values boundaries and really at this time of life really wants to stay safe and comfortable. And that is not something we value. We yep. actually don't value safety. Oddly enough, we, we probably we value a little bit more. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. But no, we don't. No, we value growth above all. And that's not safe because it's unknown. You're, you're pushing into zones and realms that you haven't before. And so it's uncharted territory. And I'll add that Aaron and I are both seven wings. And so we, we really like the unknown. There's something really thrilling about it. Exciting. Yeah. And so relationally, I like <laughs> that too. So the interesting thing is while this one friend of mine um, really finds me uncomfortable to be around... I have another friend who sees me as the warmest, safest place. And she explained that it's because everything about me is out in the open. She's a nine for the record. So there is nothing hidden. And she is looking for growth because nines are famously stuck. Yes. <laughs> right? Uh, inertia is the word. And they need to be pushed into action. And so I find that there are a lot of nines in my life and they value that because they, they need that initial engine to push them along into action. And so she was shocked at the thought that 
someone would see me as unsafe. And that really helped heal something inside of me to hear that it really is simply this and, and life is like this. We are not able to be all things for all people. We are, you know, the, the gifts that we offer are wanted by some and not by others. We can't take that personally. We need to just really enjoy the people who really want our help. Another misconception is that eights are selfish. And that always felt like a poor fit for me. As much as I can be selfish, absolutely. Um, I have self-preservation as my second instinct, which means that I, I do like to kind of retreat and curl into myself and go fixate on my needs and go and get them. That said, the truth is that we love to spend on other people. I once asked Aaron to answer the question, what is success to you? And I wanted to see if she'd answer the same way I did. And she did. It was incredible. <laughs> Almost with the same words. Do you remember yeah, what I you do. said? Okay, what is success to you? It's empowering someone else to be the best version of themselves. That's right. Yeah. So we love making other people strong. Yeah, for sure. So is that selfish? You tell me. Yeah. Yeah, it isn't. But I, I understand why people think we're selfish because I can be selfish. Sure. Absolutely. Can, Every it's number not, can be though. But a lot of the times my selfishness comes in, I will talk about me. I won't necessarily ask the right questions about you in that moment. But a lot of the time, it's just because I am I am so hyper-focused on accomplishing what I want to accomplish or the goal or the growth or the whatever it may be that I'm, I'm task-oriented all the time, right? I'm always going to go somewhere, with, even be it in relationships. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I miss the mundane, everyday stuff. And I don't ask friends, right. how's your cat that was sick yesterday or right it doesn't even occur to I me no I don't remember those things yeah. and I remember the things that really matter mm -hmm. but I don't remember the little stuff and some people thrive on the little stuff it's their love language, their love language. and I am I can easily be perceived as selfish yeah. because I miss that stuff all the time in fact a lot of the time I will lie in bed at night and have a moment where I will have a <gasps> from something in the day that has come to light for me, but I'm moving too quickly through my day. I move so fast all the time that I'm not necessarily focusing on what's in front of me in the moment, but always, always, it will come to me later. And then I have to retreat back. I thought of a, an analogy for why we might look selfish, but aren't in the end. And that is when a plane hits a lot of turbulence and the oxygen mask drops down. So you know how they tell you, you put it on yourself first so that you can help other people? Eights do that intuitively. So we are so adept at figuring out what it is we need and going to get it. And we do it really quickly and efficiently. And that looks selfish to a lot of people. It looks like we're putting ourselves first. But the next step is we get what we need so that we, we are strong enough to go and spend others. on other people. Yes. Yeah, so I... A lot of aides do spend a lot of time on body work. We're very active people. And we we can usually kind of scan ourselves and go, okay, this is missing, this is missing. Erin often will say she needs the ocean. And so she goes and she gets her fix on the ocean and she knows that'll sustain her. I have my own things that I need. Anyway, we, we really find it easy to name our needs. And then we're really quick about going and dealing with them. I get why that would look selfish, but we immediately then spend it 
on other people. I'm constantly praying, mm-hmm. okay, God, if you've made me this way, if you have given me all this energy and desire, desire, then just let me spend it. Let yeah. me show me where to spend it. Show me who to spend it on. And it's always yes. It's yes. I will spend it. I we don't hoard. No. We're not hoarders of our energy and our strength. We love to spend it on other people. So. Another misunderstanding, and this is a misunderstanding I think eights have about themselves, is how many times have you heard someone in your life say, I don't care what they think? <laughs> and usually it's an eight. <laughs> yeah. I, think um, I use that language yeah. all the time. Right. <laughs> uh, so you're lying to yourself. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's yes. what I'm here to say is you're a big, fat, liar, liar <laughs> pants. And you actually care so much that it hurts so badly that you went numb to it. So uh, my theory is that eight kids had hearts so big and so soft that the agony of caring that much was too much. And Mm. so we had to put some layers over top of it. And if we don't learn to get back to it, we're going to stay numb. And we're we're just going to live life without half of ourself, which is feelings and empathy and all of that. Right. And that will hurt not just everyone else, but it'll hurt us. Uh, you do care. And we're hoping that we can help you remember. I think the reason people often think we are we don't care is because we do what we're going to do anyways. Someone saying something that offends us doesn't stop us. It hurts us. And... We feel it, but it doesn't make us stop doing what we're going to do when we know there's a goal or purpose in mind. I was thinking about how there is a a very key difference between our brand of caring a lot and people pleasing. We are very markedly different from, say, a two or a three that cares what people think and then adapts. The difference with us and why it looks like we don't care is because we will feel the pain of not connecting with someone a lot, a lot, a lot but we want to connect with them as ourself. So the thing that we love the most, the most, is feeling connected to someone who loves us just the way we are. The truth is we're really bad at adapting. We specialize in being ourselves, maybe more than most numbers. That can be a problem, but it's also a gift, is we know we're very anchored, we're very grounded, and maybe that's a good thing because it, it means that we're a stable place to be if we're healthy. And it means that what we're looking for is connection as we are. And I don't mean as the unhealthy version we are. I just mean as we are with all our quirks and whatnot. We want people to say, I disagree with you, but we can agree to disagree. I love that. I love when people do that. So then- Or even better is when they give us more food for thought. Right, absolutely. Right? I'm not saying we don't change long-term, we do. It just happens in little pieces incrementally. And we do it because we align with it. It's not because you wanted it. I was going to say, it has to be something completely logical and rational in our brains too. And part of our- It has to make sense for us and be real. We have to agree that it is the path for growth for us, right? And then we will go ahead and put one foot in front of the other and make the changes. But in the moment, that rapid fire adaptation that threes and twos do, we don't know how to do it. So we, we kind of remain unmoved and carry on as we are. And that looks really callous and it looks like we aren't caring. But just could you please know that we actually don't know how to make those quick adaptations and we don't want to. We really want to be seen and known as we are. And then go ahead, invite us to change and we will definitely take that into consideration <laughs> and put it into work, you know, later. But in the moment, it would be so great if you just could see us 
as we are and not expect that kind of mirroring that a lot of other numbers do. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just not going to happen. It's not possible. No. I don't even, it makes me uncomfortable even talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor.